Good afternoon, October 20th here in Santa Cruz, and uh, you're listening to the Off the Net Radio Show, broadcasting from Santa Cruz, California, <laughs> and in particular today. From that. I'm sure Facebook Live right now sees. Uh, I wanna, how beautiful. We uh, welcome back the return of. It was a. Uh, you, what, was, what was he before? He was just a. He was. Uh, he, a, was uh, he was running in an election. Uh, he was. Uh, what was it? So, just low rent. Just now, he's the congressman for crying out loud. Can you believe the congressman wanted? To, he, he made it back. I'm impressed with it. Last time, I think we had a little too much fun. Remember the show? Then Star oh, Benny. Star Benny. Yeah, dinner. Had a little dinner. Had, mm-hmm. had a little fun. And we want to thank you for obviously coming back to the show. Oh, thank you, gentlemen. Look, let's let's hope we still keep it fun. All right. <laughs> uh, like I said, uh, please call me Jimmy. Uh, that's what uh, I hopefully I'm known as all the time, not just uh, by the title of Congressman of the Central Coast, but by Jimmy. That's I, I grew up here. I, people know me by that name, and I'm going to stick by that name. So. Is it still weird that when you are Congressman Jimmy Panetta? Does no, that, is that, man. Is it, I mean, <laughs> how many days until no, you were used to that? No, that's the, 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 look. What you got to realize is there are people who have that title that take themselves a little too seriously. And you got to get up every morning realizing that uh, you put your pants on the same way that other people do. Right. And so once you start just making this job about the title, uh, then that's when you shouldn't be in this job. Right. And so for me, uh, you know, being uh, at this location that we're at right now, um, <laughs> uh, tr- tr- craning my neck to look out on what I've always called my home. It's your place. It's your well, spot. It's our place. Right. And, and the fact that I have the opportunity and i'm so fortunate to be in this position to continue to represent not just the people but this beauty behind us yep. and make sure that we protect yep. what we have here uh is uh, it, it, it i just feel so blessed right. to be able to be right. in this position that's how i look at it before we get started how's mom and dad and everybody's and, and great kids. yeah everybody's all good no everybody's great parents yep. are outstanding yep. um flew in friday night from what sunday night now i flew in flight Flew in Friday night from Washington, D.C., got in about midnight, had two speeches Saturday morning, was able to see about six innings of my daughter's softball Good. game in between one of the games in which she hit a uh, RBI, two RBI wow. single, nice. and they ended up winning three to two. Sweet. So that was outstanding. And then I uh, went down to the southern part of this county. We're in the northern part of this county in Santa Cruz uh, district and went all the way down to the southern part of the district in Bradley. Have you ever heard yeah, of that? Yeah, yeah. Of course. Pass on Holon Road. Yeah. Uh, went down there for an event and then uh, went to Diwali night uh, with the Indian American community here in Seaside last night and then got up today and <laughs> went to mass with my daughter and then Sweet. said goodbye to the to the kids and the wife who's doing great and then uh, had an event just before this and then after this I'm on my way back to the airport wow. to uh, take a red-eye flight back to the craziness of Washington DC how hard, how hard is it to get up you know be away from the kids and the family oh, it sucks yeah. it sucks you know but 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 you realize look it's funny because you know there there are some freshman members. Um, who have just recently been elected, and understandably so. Uh, They're complaining about how difficult the lifestyle is. I get it, okay? I also admit that I was lucky enough that I kind of knew what the job entailed, at least in regards to the amount of work that you have to put into it, at least in regards to the amount of sacrifice that it takes to do this job. And as I look at it, you don't take this job to make your family better. You yeah. do this job to make other families better. And your, and your That's family, what it's about. 
Joe Fan, you understand that? Uh, I am fortunate that I have an amazing family and an amazing wife that is not only amazing at her job as a superior court judge, but she is an amazing mother and an uh, uh, amazing uh, rock of our family, to be honest with you. Did your so dad it does help take you with that two. a little bit? It's like, hey, son, this is what's going to be going. This is what's going to be happening. No, no. no I mean, just, no, no, no. I mean, look, we, I, you know, he got elected in 1976 right. uh, with Jimmy Carter. Uh, I was in second grade at that time, so I've kind of lived with it. But and I've told you guys this. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, no. uh, my parents did a great job keeping politics off the kitchen table. I mean, yeah. there's a reason why we were raised right across that beautiful Monterey Bay in yeah. Carmel Valley, California, and rather than in Washington, D.C., because they didn't want us to have my father's life. They wanted us to have our own lives, right. me and my two brothers. And that's how exactly how yeah. it is for our two daughters uh, who go to the same schools I went to, same public schools I went to. Yeah. They have their own lives, man. They play softball. They play tennis. They play piano. They kick ass at school, unlike I did. But but they're still kicking ass. <laughs> uh, and so it's, you know, they have their lives and their routines. And right. that's what I want because I don't, I don't, I don't want to, I don't, I do not want them to get wrapped up. Right. And what I'm dealing with right. at this point. Are I mean, you doing anything different than what your dad did? Is because I know my dad was a politician. Yeah. He was busy. Yeah. And I there was things I wanted to change. Yeah. And how I raised my kids. Yeah. Um, look, I, I think obviously with the the, the, the time commitments that this take that this job takes and being in Washington D.C. Monday through Thursday night and then coming home every weekend. Uh, it's tough, but you know what? I'm making those athletic games. I'm going to those piano recitals. I'm making sure that I'm showing up at the important events like my father did. So it's 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 hard to be completely different when it comes to the routine because it is a routine that is necessary to do this right. job. If you're going to have a bi-coastal uh, commitment and going back and forth. I mean, yes, we could move. I could move my family back to Washington, D.C., but my wife's a judge. She has her life, and you got to respect that. Right. And my kids, I want them to have their lives, and I, we respect that. And so it's, uh, I'm not sure if it's, it's necessarily different, but it's part of the job, and it's what we got to do to make everything work. Uh, it's not easy, right. Uh, right. but yeah. you just do it. Does you being there keep you in touch with what's going on here? For example, we want to we want to talk about just what's going on here locally. Yeah. We don't want to talk about what's going on in Washington. It doesn't yeah. affect us right here. Thank God. But like, for, <laughs> for example, you know, the housing situation here, yeah. the housing problem. Yeah, it's a, it's you know uh, maybe brought about by the university. Right. Um, it's a big problem here in this town. And obviously, ho you know, homelessness is a situation here, which, which I, I've talked to, we've talked to so many people have been on our show, and there's just, you know, whether it be the chief of police or supervisors or so forth, there just doesn't seem to be a solution. Yeah. Yeah. Do, well, do you, do, do you have a solution for it? Or what's going on at this town? I mean, I've lived here for a long, since the early 80s, and, and uh, TC's been here for a long time, and it's a situation that you see get worse every day. And you're in a business here, TC. Well, my kids don't live here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, and so it's a, that's Is what there happened. A solution that you can that. But th th there's just like any complicated issue. There's not a silver bullet. Right. Okay, um, it's an issue that you're also seeing not just here in Santa Cruz. You're seeing it from Seattle to San Diego. I was speaking with the uh, secretary of the VA, Veterans Affairs, about three months ago, and he says seventy percent of his homeless veterans are on the West Coast are all from Seattle to San Diego. So this is an issue that's not just affecting Santa Cruz. It's affecting across the bay and Seaside and Monterey and, and then going all the way up north to San Francisco. I was in San Francisco a couple of weeks ago, and you see it there too. Trust me, this is an issue, but it's one that's got to be addressed at all levels. I firmly believe that. 
not just at the federal level, but definitely at the local level, at the state level as well. Now, look, obviously you have local ordinances and you have uh, uh, local organizations that address this issue as they're trying to do here, in, in, and I'm talking about homelessness, trying to deal with here in Santa Cruz. Um, and then obviously you at the state level, you have certain pieces of legislation that provide certain funding for homeless, uh, uh, homeless organizations right. or organizations that affect homelessness. And at the federal level that I'm dealing with, now my purview, what I can deal with is to ensure that those grants that are provided to the federal government, to the states, and then on down to the communities that we live in, make sure that they still are there. Now, this administration wanted to cut a tremendous amount of these home grants, HUD-VASH grants, these grants that actually go to these organizations that help homelessness. Uh, but we stood firm in Congress, and we made sure that the funding was there. And we actually brought in, I think, over about close to a million dollars to this district through those grants. Right. But mm. at the same time, there's other ways we can address it as well. Right. you got to realize that there are certain tax credits you can give developers who provide low-to-middle-income uh, low housing. There's the 4% tax credit, and there's a 9% tax credit. 4% for rehabilitation of housing structures, existing housing structures, 9% for uh, new development. Last term in Congress, we upped the amount of 9% tax credits by 12%. This year, there's a bill on the floor to up those 9% tax credits by 50%. So there are ways that we can do it. But like I said, just by doing tax credits for developers, you're not going to, you know, not going to do it. Just by doing um, subsidies for rent, you're not going to do it. It's, it's kind of this thing that everybody's kind of got to okay. be a part of. Okay. Um, and I, I believe we are doing our part at the federal level, which normally homelessness and housing wasn't necessarily a, a but, federal issue. But, it's but now it's such a big issue. You are seeing discussions on it. You are seeing bills like the Renters Relief Act that has been introduced that basically says that if you're paying a third of your income towards your housing, you then can get a tax deduction on your federal income tax at the end of the year. And there's a certain complicated formula to right, do that. Right. So there's there's a number of ideas that are being discussed okay. right now because, you know, I have colleagues in San Diego that are dealing with this as well. Right, um, right, right. So, and, and look, and it comes down to like, yes, our economy is going doing well. Yes, we have a low unemployment rate. But the fact is, is that there's a tremendous amount of inequality at this point in the United States. Yeah. And it's something that needs to be addressed. Yeah. And it we need to continue to focus on ways and how we can do that. Yeah. You know what's tough in our town is every little entry-level housing situation has turned into an Airbnb. You know, so like for an up-and-coming college student or someone that's a service worker, the beds that they used to be able to afford that were in the backyards and garages have been converted and there's a shortage of entry-level housing and those are some of the most homeless people we see that's right i want to move i want to move along because i know you're going to be here for a short time you got a plane to catch so i'm going to talk about the bay we're looking at the bay oh my god yeah we got to protect this right here yeah well you are you're passing you're working on legislation for the offshore drilling right now i want to talk about the offshore drilling yeah one yeah and the cruise ship situation yeah yeah look i i think you know ever since i got into this office with this and which was with this administration we have been basically playing defense okay you got to realize that i took office in january of 2017 i think it was in march april and may there were three executive orders that came down from this administration that tried to infringe upon our monterey bay national marine sanctuary that tried to say that there is potential for the extraction of, of minerals including oil and natural gas in our monterey bay and we are so lucky. Let me tell you, we are so lucky that we look out upon this bay and all we see is water and whales and right. Monterey across the way. Right. 
we don't see oil rigs. We don't see anything like that because we've had a legacy of leadership when it comes to our legislators well before us that put these protections in place. And let me tell you, Sam Farr, John Laird, the other guy that was in that position that has a nose as big as mine. um, You know, (laughs) trust me. At least I I didn't get his hair, though. How's that? I got that going for me. Anyway. um, but, But they put these protections in place that are pretty firm because we value our environment around here. We want to make sure that it lasts not just for us but for our children. Um, And so we have some pretty strong protections in place. But like my wrestling coach always told me, once you make your mark in the world, watch out for those with the erasers. And right now you have an administration that wants to use the erasers when it comes to our environment. And so for now, we've been pretty much playing defense and making sure that when it came to those executive orders I talked about, we made sure that the public knew that they can comment on them. And literally, they haven't given us a number as to how many comments they got. But in the, it was in the millions. And that's what it takes. It takes people speaking up and continuing to push back on this administration. If they want to come into our, our, our house and come into our bay and infringe upon the protections that we put in place. Um, and, you know, yes, we've passed uh, legislation to ban offshore oil drilling all along the West Coast, all along Florida's coast and in Anwar as well. But unfortunately, like most of the bills, most of the 450 bills we passed in Congress, guess where they're sitting? In the U.S. Senate. They're stuck there. But that's not going to stop us from Mm -hmm. doing our job. And so that's why we continue to pass that bill, which I was a proud. uh, It was one of the first bills that I co-sponsored, and we voted on it, uh, and it passed out of the House of Representatives. uh, And we're going to continue to make those types of efforts to make sure that what we see here uh, with this beauty behind me remains as such so that, like I said, not just we can enjoy it, but our kids can enjoy it too. Cruise ships? Yeah, the cruise ships. Yeah, look, I think that's one where you have to realize there's, you know, fortunately, there's some uh, a lot of negotiations going on with the National Oceanic Atmospheric Administration because these cruise ships that do come in and uh, anchor off of Monterey Bay, where are they? they they're not port. just in Monterey they Bay, exactly. They're not in port. Yeah. They're in they're the they're Monterey they're Bay National Marine Sanctuary. Right. So fortunately, we have, uh, you know, led by Paul Michel. Uh, the executive director of our Monterey Bay National Marine Sanctuary, he's making sure that they are living up to those standards. Now, just like anything these days, yes, you can have the laws. you got to have enforceability as well. So that's up to us in Washington, D.C. to make sure that there are the resources for NOAA to ensure that those cruise ships are not uh, uh, dropping, um, you know, their wastewater right. here in the Monterey Bay, here in the National Marine Sanctuary, and that they're right. doing it in the appropriate areas outside, well beyond the sanctuary. And so it's uh, certain laws like that that we have that are in place, but we got to make sure that the resources are there to enforce it. Yeah. Hmm. One thing, uh, one thing you learned being in Washington D.C. as a congressman that you didn't know going in. The best part about this job. I have to say, the best part about this job, obviously, one is representing the people on the Central Coast and being able to provide the casework to people here on the Central Coast, to constituents where you can actually help their lives. Now, I actually knew that, okay, because of so many stories I heard growing up about the work that my mother and father did. My mother as his deputy district director, excuse me, my mother as a district director, volunteer district director, the work they did for the people in this area and how it affects not only their lives, but their family lives in this community. I knew that. That's why I got into this job. But I have to say in Washington, D.C., the best part about this job are the people I work with. Don't get me wrong. There are some real a-holes out there, all right? (laughs) But 
overwhelmingly, there are members of Congress on both sides of the aisle, Democrats and Republicans, that are there for the right reasons. The ones you don't hear about in the news, the ones that aren't yelling and screaming and spitting and, and cussing, not those members, but the members that are actually taking the time to come to the table and actually discuss the issues, not yell about the issues, but discuss the issues. The members who are there, right. not just to make a point, right. but to make a difference. And let me tell you, they're out there and they are in Washington, D.C. representing their communities, but they're also showing a willingness to do what I believe what we need to do more of in Washington, D.C., and that's continue to have discussions where we can actually talk about the issues and talk about each other and get to know each other and build those relationships. Because the one thing that I've realized as well is that this is a job where it comes down to trust. You have to have trust with one another. That's how you get things done. And that trust stems from relationships. And trust is earned. Exactly. Right. It's yeah. earned, but you got to put time into it. Right. it and, and now the thing is now, you know, nowadays with, with these things, yeah, yeah. and we're constant with the 24-7 news cycle, with everybody's face down into these phones rather than up into each other's eyes, yeah. it's difficult. Right. But it takes that effort. And, and, and look, it'd be easy for me just to go into my blue corner. Don't get me wrong, okay? We have a very blue district, uh, and, and, and you know it'd be easy for me to do that. But that's not what this job is right. about. In order to get things done in this uh, atmosphere in which you have, yes, you have a Democratic-controlled House, but you have a Republican Senate and a Republican administration, you've got to be able to work with the other side. That is how I think you get long-lasting uh, legislation. Excellent. Why is it such a stalemate? What's, what seems to be the hurdle well look that that's what you got to realize and let me let me tell you there look there is when you say stalemate let me tell you it's not happening in the house of representatives in the sense that and i really realized this after uh, in august when um on july 28th i think it was i took my uh youngest daughter to the gilroy garlic festival and we were there on that Sunday, yeah, on that my, Sunday, I was too. the, the day mm -hmm. of the shooting. We went from about 11 o'clock to about 3 p.m. And as, as you can probably attest, when you're walking around there, you can never, ever imagine that that type of horrific act would have happened there. Yes, I saw the presence of the police, thank goodness, mm -hmm. um, that they were there. But let me tell you, I never could have imagined that type of event that occurred just a few hours after we were there. I agree. And so you had that shooting take place. Then you had the El Paso shooting and you had the Dayton shooting. And it was kind of, you know, that, 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 that troika of events, unfortunately. Um, and it was, it was after that that people were coming up to me, understandably so, saying, what are you guys doing in Washington, D.C.? And my response is, man, we did something that hadn't happened in over two decades. We did something that 89% of the American public agrees with. We did something in the House of Representatives on a bipartisan basis. Right. We passed universal background checks. We passed enhanced background checks. Where is it stuck? It's stuck in the Senate. Good and then it Mitch. made me realize, like, let, let's talk about all the other pieces of legislation. I mean, the 450 pieces of bills that we passed, most of them are stuck in, I mean, only 60 have been signed into law. And so, you know, where is a stalemate? It's not in the House of Representatives. Um, I can tell you that even despite despite the investigation that's going on into the potential impeachment of this administration, this president, um, we're going to work to get uh, major bills passed, including USMCA, the improved NAFTA 
bill. We're gonna. I'm working on a, a um, ag labor bill, something that's very, very important to us here on the Central Coast of California, to ensure that those who worked in agriculture can continue to have that opportunity, but also have have a future flow of people who are willing to come here and work in our agriculture and live in our community. Uh, we are doing. We're marking up a bill on lowering prescription drug prices this week in the Ways and Means Committee, the committee I'm on. I mean, we're doing big things. And the cannabis banking thing you're working on past too, right? that just yeah. what three weeks ago that we, was passed we had a we recently we had a resident here in pleasure point that was kidnapped and murdered and he was in the cannabis industry and there's been yeah I, there's no speculation that it was a financial thing yeah and these guys have to be able to put their money someplace that's right or it's just a, such a risk of violence that's right especially and, and there really is a uh, it, is a risk of it, it, it is it is and and as i say with 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 marijuana excuse me with cannabis legalization it's a big ship and it's turning and this is one where i have to say you kind of got to give uh kentucky and mitch mcconnell a little credit because what did they do in the 2018 farm bill that's i that i worked so hard on being a member of the ag committee he wrote in the legalization of hemp hmm. hemp is a has a long history there in kentucky and i've been to kentucky and i've seen these hemp farms out there and so mcconnell actually wrote it in legalized hemp and that's kind of a big deal because mm. it's kind of the start of it. You know right. what I mean? Or McConnell's and, a hemp it, farmer. Yeah. <laughs> well, don't, don't trust me. Don't get me wrong. Of course they're going to have interest in that. Mm -hmm. You bet. Right. Um, that's that was part of the reason why I did it. And so you're seeing a a a, a you know the legalization of hemp is is going to be you're having Democrats and Republicans who support the legalization of cannabis. It's just um, a ship that's slowly turning, and with the United States House of Representatives passing the Safe Banking Act, ensuring that uh, cannabis uh, producers can put that money in banks in a safe place rather than keeping it on them or keeping them in right. their vans or in their homes right, or in their right, safes. Right. Uh, and so we don't have the violence that could stem from that uh, is, is, is a big first step that uh, is helping turn that wheel on that ship. That's excellent. When you get on the plane today, huh. you know, on the, and the right back, I'm sure, right? Yeah. Cheap seats in the back of United Airlines. Oh yeah, United no, 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 no. I'm, I'm in. Uh, let's the say, I, I think baby. tonight. Top, I think tonight three, I'm row, row, row 15, and I think I'm F. <laughs> F. Uh, I like my window seats because it's like it just put me in there, and I try to try to get some sleep on the red eye back there, and don't mess with me. Top three things that you're working on that involve this community here, yeah. our community here, the one we're looking at right now. Top three things that you're, you're getting on the plane tonight. You're going yeah. back to Washington yeah. D.C. What are those three things? Yeah, hands down, uh, like the, it's the bill I mentioned, the Ag Labor Bill. We we have been, we are so fortunate to have a chairman of the Immigration Subcommittee as our neighbor to the north, Congresswoman Zoe Lofgren. She has worked so hard on this bill um, to to make sure that those in agriculture stay working in agriculture and have that opportunity for citizenship, and also making sure that those that continue to come into this community work in agriculture, but also have that opportunity if they've worked here a, a long enough time. And right. so there's certain uh, parameters put in, uh, put on that, like you're continuing to work in agriculture. And if you do that for a certain amount of years, then you, yeah, you damn right, you should have that opportunity to, be, to become a citizen. Because as we know well in this, in this community, uh, agriculture is the number one industry, but it's the number one industry because of the producers, because of the farmers, and yes, hands down, the farm workers that are out there in those fields harvesting those hand-picked crops that we have here with our specialty crops. Working so it's an, hard. It's, it's an ag labor bill, but let me also tell you why I'm very proud of it, because this is a bill that wasn't just shoved through by the Democrats. It wasn't just shoved through by, by leadership. This is a bill where Chairwoman Lofgren has taken the time to bring 
both sides to the table. Democrats, Republicans, farmers, farm workers, and it hasn't been easy. In fact, it's been for the last eight months that we've been going through these negotiations, literally grinding out the detail. It's been a real pain in the ass. But the fact is, to me, that's how you get long-lasting legislation. And let me tell you, people aren't happy with it. I get it. You know, people aren't going to be completely thrilled with it. But that's called compromise. Exactly. And that's Mm -hmm. called compromise. So this week, we're going to be pushing hard to uh, finalize that bill and introduce it and continue to get bipartisan support, Democrats and Republicans on that bill. Because like I said, we want to show the Senate this is something you should do. Why? Because, yes, it has Democratic support, but it's got Republican support. Because, yes, agriculture is important to our area on the central coast of California, but it's important for our country. And, yes, it takes, you know, you have domestic workers who who aren't going to go into that line of work. We know that. We know that those domestic workers go out into the fields and say, no, I'd rather be working at a fast food joint. You know, they're not going to do that hard work. But that's why we have to continue to have uh, people who are willing to come to this country to do that work. But it's up to us to make sure that we have incentives for why they do that and to treat them properly, of course. Uh, And I think we do that with this bill. Why? Because we've had input from all sides. Thank goodness. Um, Second thing is, is trade. Um, we're going to be working on the United States-Mexico-Canada uh, trade agreement um, as a member of the Ways and Means Committee and on the Trade Subcommittee. Uh, I traveled to Mexico two weeks ago, met uh, this close from you to me. Uh, the president of Mexico, uh, secretary of state was right there, finance minister right there, labor secretary was right there, and myself and a number of about uh, four other members of the Ways and Means Committee, including Chairman Richie Neal, where we were basically letting Mexico know that, yes, we have a USMCA. Yes, on its face, it is better than NAFTA, okay? But it needs to get better. Right. And it gets better with your support and with your resources that you're going to put in to enforce those labor standards down in Mexico. Right. And let me tell you, you have a very progressive president down there who understands how important that is. And just this week, he said, look, he said, you have our commitment hmm. that we're not only going to put those enforcement uh, laws in place, we're going to provide the money to do it. And I'll send a letter to Speaker Pelosi uh, in the next week. And just last week, we got that letter. And yes, we got the enforcement standards and we got the money from Mexico to do yeah. it. Now, there's some other issues with the bill, right. but we're, we're getting close. We're getting close yeah. and we, we got to show. We, look, we got to show that we can walk and chew gum at the same time. We can investigate, but we can also legislate. And that's what we've been doing. And then third, third, um, thing. third thing, look, I think, uh, like I talked about, with prescription drug pricing and making sure that our prescription drug prices are lower, making sure that when it comes to the negotiations with Medicare, that there's a transparent process. And that's a problem right now. It's people don't see what the hell's going on and it needs to be more transparent and we need to figure out a way. uh, And we have figured out a way with HR three, which we're going to be talking about to ensure that when they negotiate, it's transparent, people see it and that we got to hold these drug, big drug companies, drug companies accountable for jacking up that rate. And if they don't negotiate with us, they get penalized. And that's that's what it has to come down to, especially with these powerful drug companies. Healthcare is terrifying. It, it, it is terrifying, I mean, it's and it's tough around here. And we're working hard to not only deal with lowering prescription drug prices, but to we're continuing to try to shore up the ACA, the Affordable Care Act, something that has been so beneficial for people here on the Central Coast. Yes. Um, but, you know, we're dealing with an administration that they see the ACA as a four-letter word, obviously. We see it as a, a crucial part of our health care in this community, and that's why we're going to continue to fight for it. Well, we have to. We have to. Do you see a Democrat as president? Uh, You're damn right I do. Coming up <laughs> you bet I do. <laughs> of course. Look, I, I, I look, it's, um, you know, I, I, 
I, I believe that you know we have a, a number of talented candidates right sure. now. I have not supported it, come out and endorsed anybody, but trust me, I think we are very lucky to have the talent that are up sure. there on that stage at this point. Um, I think you got to look at the dynamics, okay? And you you, you got to look back at history, and I think you do have to look at 2016. And in my discussion with a number of people who voted for President Trump. Uh, a lot of them tell me, and they may be just blowing smoke, but uh, they say this. And you know, some Trump supporters are not afraid to, you know, talk about President Trump. Um, what they say is that, you know, um, I, I didn't necessarily vote for Trump, but I didn't want to vote for the Democratic candidate. Right. Now, look, a lot of that has to do with sexism. I'll be the first to admit it. But also, there were some other issues there, and I just heard it today um, on one of the Sunday shows where, you know, our candidate didn't appeal to some voters in other parts of the country. And now Trump is, has his 40%, okay? Democrats have our 40%. Where's that middle 20%? What candidate do we have that we can put up that actually appeals to that 20%? And I say that because you know as well as I do, people these days, they don't vote with their head, man. They vote with their gut, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. And so we gotta make sure that we have a candidate that, that can be, we can put up that people can vote for and that continues to uphold our democratic values. Look, yeah. any any candidate. Look, when people ask me who am I going to support, I'm going to support the Democratic candidate no matter who it is. I'm not going to be one of these people that says, oh, it's not my candidate, therefore I'm not voting for it. Right. To be honest, I think that's chicken, that's, that's, that's BS. Yeah. Okay, we got to make sure that we, uh, Donald Trump is voted out of office. We have to make sure that. And the way we do that is making sure that we have a candidate that upholds our democratic values, but also at the same time, uh, understands the people in other parts of this country that uh, they can relate to and they, they have to show up. Look, I think there's a reason why Biden's numbers have stayed the same because people believe he is that candidate. Um, Elizabeth Warren is an excellent campaigner. Okay. She is. She's, she's Yeah, exactly. Exactly. She's very smart. Um, will she appeal to that 20%? That is yet to be seen. Um, uh, this Pete Buttigieg uh, is a person who I believe is the anti Trump. And I think that's what people are yearning for at this point. Yeah. And what I mean by that is, yes, he's young. Um, yes, he's just a mayor. Uh, yes, he's a veteran. Uh, yes, he's uh, uh, gay and married uh, to a, another man. But I'm telling you, when he speaks, you don't hear any of that. All you hear is substance. Right. And for too long and too often, especially in these last two and a half years, man, we've just been governing by slogan. And we need to get back to governing by substance. And it's having uh, candidates like Biden, like Warren, uh, Sanders, um, you know, Buttigieg, uh, Kamala Harris, who I worked with. I mean, these are all we're talking about issues. You look at that last debate. They were talking about issues. Right, right. That's what we need to get back to doing. And I think people are yearning for that. I believe people are exhausted. I mean, you look at these last two weeks. I mean, you you forgot about the chaos of two weeks ago. <laughs> exactly. Seriously, you forget about the issues that were brought up two weeks ago because there's been so much chaos in between then and now. The bottom of the and I just think we're all just exhausted. And I just hope that people don't get tired when it comes to November of 2020. They realize that they got to play their part. That's how our democracy moves forward. Yes, by voting, but making sure people are educated about who they vote for. Yeah, Jimmy, you want the gig? You want to take the keys and drive the car? Hey, man. 
we got a lot more to do here on the Central Coast. Uh, I'm enjoying this position, and I look yeah. forward to staying in this position. But it takes a lot of work. I mean, people yeah. realize that you just can't, you know, move into this community out of, out of a whim and, and try to run for this office. you got to realize that it takes basically an understanding of this community. And I think the fact that I've grown up here, I've served this community, uh, I've served my country uh, in Afghanistan, and the fact that we've done so much good work for this community and the people of this community for the past two and a half years, that uh, come November of 2020, uh, I think I'll con- be continuing to do this job. Well, I'm going to wrap it up, and Manuel's over there looking at the – You announced your re-election catch. yet? Oh, yeah, uh, we are running. You bet we're running. Already you involved bet, in it? You bet we're How running. Yeah, we're, look, look, let me let me just address sure, something real quick. You know, people say, well, you know, now that there's a, a campaign, what are you going to do differently? Not a damn thing. Good governing is good politics. We've right. done good governings in the past two and a half years, and we are going to continue to do that. And that's what's important in this job. People don't realize that this job is more about, like I said, just moving into a community and then just saying you're going to run for office. No, man, it's about doing the work. Mm-hmm. And, and we've done that work for the past two and a half years, and we've governed as best as we can. We're going to continue to do that, and the people are going to make their decision based on our, our work, and they should. And you know what? Yeah, they're, if, if they're not pleased with this, then they will hold me accountable as our democratic process calls for. But at this point, we're going to continue doing our job, continue showing up, and continue kicking ass the way we've been doing. And we're, we got a lot more work to do here, and I look forward to doing One it. One thing real quick. I saw on MSB, MSNBC, you and your dad were both interviewed in the same day. <laughs> and he comes yeah, out that's, just that's shooting the, from the hips. Yeah. That's impeach this dude. <laughs> and then you come out, and you're like, hey, I'm a DA, and I'm going to look into the evidence. Yeah. Does he have evidence that you don't have? What's well, no, look, look, man, it's easy. Look, you had John Kasich, the former governor of Ohio, Republican, uh, was thinking about running for president. And on Friday uh, afternoon, he came out and said, um, you know, I think this president should be impeached, uh, or at least articles of impeachment in the House of Representatives. Uh, should, I would, and I would vote on it if I was in Congress. Man, it's easy to be outside of Congress and saying you would, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Uh, but look, I have consistently said that the decision to impeach a sitting president yeah. isn't one you can just stand up and yell about. It, it shouldn't be one. It isn't one that I take lightly. I take that very seriously. And fortunately, because of my background, I knew that in court, in a court of law, thank God, prosecutors just can't stand up and say someone's guilty and sit back down. Mm-hmm. You base those decisions on the evidence. And so for the past uh, you know, uh, uh, numerous months. I've always supported the investigations that have been going on into this administration. I want to make sure that we have the evidence upon which we can then base a decision as serious as a sitting pre- as impeaching a sitting president on, and that's what we've been doing. Now, don't get me wrong. We didn't have that evidence when it came down to the Ukraine call, mm-hmm. okay? But we got that evidence. And look, as a prosecutor for you know a number of years, you kind of develop a gut feeling right. on on certain cases. And this is one where when I read that uh, reported transcript, uh, you, I got that feeling. And I believe that this is a pretty tight case. And I believe that it is, um, you know, if you look at the logical sequence of events of the, uh, the conversation, the logical sequence of events surrounding that oh, conversation, yeah. Yeah. conversation, uh, I believe that, um, you know, based on what I know of so far, uh, this is an, an uh, impeachable offense. And so we are making sure that we have the evidence 
for the Senate to then present in trial. And, and it, it, stop me if you know this, but the process of impeachment is there needs to be articles of impeachment voted on in the Judiciary right. Committee. Then it's sent to the House floor to vote on. Then it's sent to the trial. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, excuse me, it's sent to the Senate for the trial to be conducted. Right now, we're doing sort of a grand jury. We're doing the investigation. I know a lot of people in the other part of the uh, part, part of the parts of the country, and well, even in this part of the country, and and but ac- across the aisle, are saying, well, there's no process. Well, look, the process is us investigating at this point. And in the previous 73 impeachment and 98 impeachment proceedings. The D, the Department of Justice had provided the case to the Congress right. already. This DOJ failed that this DOJ failed to act on on the complaint on the whistleblower complaint. Right. So we are acting. We are doing the investigation. We are conducting what is analogous to a grand jury, yep. and basically, so we can then create our case. We are doing the investigation. And I believe that once we do that, it will then be presented to the judiciary. It will be voted on there, voted on the House, and sent to the House floor for uh, – been sent to the Senate for the trial. Now, I can't tell you what's going to happen there. I think we have an idea of what's going to happen there, Mm -hmm. okay? But like I said, in the meantime, we're going to continue to legislate. We're going to continue to do our job. We're going to continue to govern because that's what we're there for. Our responsibility is to investigate, but our responsibility is to the American people to legislate as well, and we've been doing that. I want to thank you for your service, <laughs> both in yes, the military sir. and back there in Washington D.C. We, I mean, I speak for you know Maine, T.C. and and uh, f- for our town. Yeah. I want to thank you for your service. If you want to take a look around I'm, real quick, no, oh, trust me, yeah. I see you're it the, in the window. You're the guy. I see it you're in the window. Trust me, I've been guy. looking past you're you. Our, you're yeah. our guy. How does a common man get a hold of you? How does a common man? Want get to hold of his Congress, speak to the uh, congressman. Oh man, you just call my office. That's it. Yeah, you bet. It's okay. easy. Mm-hmm. You All bet. Right, you just take that call, yeah, right? exactly. That call. Exactly. No, no, no. <laughs> we we got offices in Santa Cruz. We got offices in an office in Salinas. And what we do is every month we do mobile office hours. So okay. uh, we have for the areas that we're not in, we have we we send people out to uh, basically have office hours in Watsonville, in Hollister, uh, and then throughout the Salinas Valley uh, every month. It's Thank important. You. Look, I. I I, like I said, I, I, I got into this job because it, it's about serving people because I saw the benefits of what you can do in this job of, of affecting people's lives. And so I make it a priority to make sure that when people call our office, yeah. uh, you get a response. Yeah. And if you don't, you let me know. And I'll be held accountable for if we're not responding. And trust me, my staff understands how important that is to me. So if you and, and I'll, I'll take meetings. I take meetings all the time. We do days where we just knock out meetings back to back to back. And so if you mm. want to if you want to meet with me, you call the office. Yeah. Uh, you let them know that you want to meet with me. But if you have a pressing issue, make sure that you tell the staff, the person on the other end of that phone, so that we can start the casework for you, that we can start to solve that issue. Because, you know, you, you hold off and don't you know, say anything until you meet with me, then we're going to have to do that anyway. So make sure that you let staff know the issue. But like I said, if people can call that office, and, yeah. and, and, and I, I would hope. Look, I got, I got a call. Someone called the other day. Let me just give you this example, if I can, if we've got mm-hmm. time. Someone, um, someone called me the other day. They called my office, and it was a gentleman um, who I met at, the, uh, at, a, at a fair. And he called the office and he said, tell the congressman I want to speak to him. And my staffer was like, well, what's it about? I mean, they got to be a little protective. I get that. What's it about? He's like, well, let him know I met him at the fair and uh, I just want to speak with him. And so um, I told my staffer, get his number and I'll call him. And I called him back and he was was obviously incredulous that it was me. And I said, no, it's me. And this was a guy who came up to me 
and he started to complain about the Democratic Party uh, in a little disparaging way. And it was at a moment where we were being honored, veterans were being honored, and I was one of the veterans being honored. And he called me and he said, you know what, I want to apologize for the way I acted at the fair. And, and he said, uh, you know, I, that, 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 you know my, my wife got on me for doing that, and I apologize. <laughs> I, and he said, but you know what? I, I don't know if you can help me with this, but I got an issue with my, uh, with my mailbox and the postal service. <laughs> and then he went, started to go into this, and he said, do you think you can help me? I said, of course I can help you. That's our job. And he's like, you know, even though I'm a Republican, I said, you bet. We represent everybody. We serve everybody. You got a federal issue? You need to come to our office. You need to let us know what's going on. Uh, this job is a bridge. Okay, I'm that bridge from the central coast to the federal government yeah. and the federal bureaucracy, which is a real pain in the ass, as you know it. It's our job to work it through uh, the people here, and and I, and I hope to Are continue to do it. Are you one of the few it. that has that message? It seems like right now in this country, people don't. It's not. It's about the people that represent their party. It seems like a lot. Uh, look, I, you know, it, it it's unfortunate that um, that you say that that you ask that. Uh, and it's, I'm not saying it's under, it's not understandable. It's very understandable. I get it. But the fact is, is that I've been fortunate enough to be raised in this community that I've seen how important public service is and that it actually takes work. I mean, too many people these days, like I said, there's governing by slogan and there's governing by substance. And it's unfortunate that our news channels show a lot of the people that are just yelling, a lot of the slogans that are out there, um, you know, our job is to make sure that that substance gets through yeah. the, the, the noise. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I believe that that w- is what we've been doing, the work that I've been doing, the work that my staff has been doing to make sure that, you know, we show up in this district. We come home every week. I come home every weekend and I get out in the district. I don't just hunker down uh, to the dismay of my family. But you know what? Uh, our job is in the district. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So so I look, I, I can't speak for other members. But I can't speak for me, and I can't speak for my staff, and I can't speak for our office. And uh, we're going to continue to govern by substance because, to me, that's what the job's about. Some people may say, "Oh, that's kind of boring." Well, you know what? That's the job. Right. That's how I think Johnson, everybody should thank be. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Jimmy. It's thank always you. good. It's yeah, always Jimmy. good, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. Good to see uh, you. Guys thank too. you, Sarah. Back in your yeah, back you bet. She did a hell of a yeah. job. No, so no, uh, she does a hell of a she's job. A and, job for and, us, I, and I'm glad. Trust me, I was. Uh, you know, these types. Of, we like I said, we've done this interview before, and Sarah's like, "Well, you can do it over the phone." I'm like, "No, no I have much that. more fun here." <laughs> no, and let good. me tell you, if you would have told me we were in a setting like you have this, no idea how to do it over the phone. I'm going to be back every month if you do something like this. Let me tell you. Thank you very much, Thank you. Keep up the good job. Thank you for your service. Very much appreciate. Yeah. No, thank you for what you guys are doing. Appreciate it. Well, here's the the next election. Yeah. You being in many more. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you. Good night.